Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of Tell Us a Good Story. Do you believe that professional wrestling is real or fake? Who predetermines the match, and how do they decide who wins and loses? These questions will be answered and more by our next guest, three-time world champion and WWE Hall of Famer, Diamond Dallas Page. DDP! (laughs) You guys, I will admit, I am not the biggest wrestling fan. However, you don't have to be to enjoy this next conversation with this amazing man, DDP. He has story after story after story about his personal life, professional wrestling, and his fitness company that is completely changing people's lives. He had so many stories that we actually had to cut this up into two episodes. Yes, and for those of you who are wrestling fans, you will love this. DDP gives us stories about Andre the Giant, Hulk Hogan, Macho Man Randy Savage, being roommates with Stone Cold Steve Austin, and the night he became a world wrestling champion at the age of 41. You guys, we can't wait for you to hear part one of our conversation with Diamond Dallas Page. I'm Kevin. And I'm Stephanie. And during our marriage, we have dealt with an electrocution, a brain tumor, brain surgery. Then doctors telling us that children were not in our future, followed by miscarriage, and then Kevin's cancer diagnosis. However, today, we live a life completely healed and restored with three healthy children who doctors said were not possible. And we're here to tell stories that inspire, give hope, and brighten your day. Welcome to Tell Us a Good Story. Okay, friends, before we get to this episode, just a friendly reminder to please hit the subscribe button on YouTube and Apple Podcast or give us a review. Five stars, please. (laughs) In our world, this is super, super important because it will help with the algorithm to make it easier for people to find us. And thank you for sharing our post across your social media. That really helps with engagement and with us getting guests. Yes. So, hey, if you want us to keep working our way up to talking to Chip and Joanna, please share us with your friends. But regardless, thank you for listening to tell us a good story Steph oh he's so nice he's so nice oh I love him already he's even nicer than I was expecting this is gonna be so much fun I'm so excited well friends our next guest is a retired professional wrestler fitness instructor actor and founder of DDP yoga and in the course of his wrestling career which spanned two decades he was a three-time world champion ladies and gentlemen please welcome to tell us a good story Diamond Dallas Page oh I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dallas. Well, I, I got, let, me, let me start out just because of this right here. You know how important this is? I just started wrestling when I was 35. My career took off when I was 40. And in the beginning, they laughed at my face. You know, you're, you can't, you're too old. You can't do it at this level. And by the time you learn it, you'll be too old. But I was always trying to find ways to hold back the hands of time, hence DDP yoga, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, I don't want to spoil this for anybody, but wrestling's predetermined. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, when, when they get to pick who wins and loses, if they don't believe in you, you don't get to win that much. Right. So, in a world that's predetermined, how do you get to be a Hall of Famer? And when I won my first world title, which is like our Oscar, it was six days after my 43rd birthday. Like, how did that happen? Well, one of the things that will become infectious with especially wrestling crowds, like if it's me and an opponent, the third person are the people. Like they call it the twelfth man in football. Right. Yes. You know, that's what it's like in wrestling, and wrestling fans are ravenous. And finding a way to connect with them in this finishing maneuver, which is how 
if I got to beat a bottom guy who means nothing, you knew he was going to lose, whatever. When I did, I would use my finishing maneuver called the diamond cutter, and it came out of nowhere. So how I made myself, I before I would do the diamond cutter, I would throw this up. Okay. And in the, and in the beginning, I would throw it up, bang, I'd bring it down. And I did it night after night after night. Nobody did it. And I filmed every match I ever had. I would always overfilm them. I wish I kept them because I had Stone Cold Steve Austin before he was Stone Cold Steve Austin doing play-by-play in color and Kevin Nash and Mick Foley. I had the biggest Hall of Famers in the world on these tapes. But every night we'd go to the room, drink some beers, and we'd talk about it. And then I'd overtape them. Oh, no. But, but what happened one night when I threw it up, I watched a father and a daughter start to do this, sitting down. I could see them because there wasn't a lot of people there. And when I came right back down, they came down. So I thought, oh, next time I'm on TV, when I threw it up, I held it up for three, two, one. Bang. Well, 50 to 100 people threw it up, and some of them even did the bang. Because you could see it in the crowd, it goes on TV. And then it became 500 people. And then it became 1,000 people. And then I'd start to beat some of the guys who meant nothing. And how I made people care is I made the other guy look really good. Okay. And it looked like, and I was a bad guy at the time. I made him look really good and look like, oh my God, he's going to beat him. He's going to beat him. And then out of nowhere, bang, I'd hit the diamond cutter and people would pop out of their seats. <laughs> There's a point where I hit the diamond cutter and the entire side of the building jump out of their seat and throw up the diamond cutter. That's it awesome. Showed the guys who write, we call them the booking committee. Okay. Vince McMahon would be the guy overseas. Triple H would be the guy overseas at WWE. But there's still people in there pitching other people. Well, they call that the booking committee. Well, I couldn't be denied because at some point I would go out and throw this on my entrance. I'd throw it up, <laughs> literally count three, two, one. 20,000 people threw it up. So, it made the booking committee see that, oh, he's getting over with the people. We should do something for them. So that's how it happened. So that's a, that's a huge trademark for me. That's mm-hmm. awesome. Mm-hmm. Hey, did your name come from your love of the Dallas Cowboys? Is that true? Yeah. Yes, it is. It is. Uh, my original name was Paige Joseph Falkenberg. And I knew that that was never going to draw any money. <laughs> so I like the name Dallas. I love the Cowboys. I, I love the, you know, the name Dallas. I love my own name, Paige. So I put them together. And it's interesting because no one, not my wife, not my family, not my, you know, not my best friends are allowed to call me Paige in front of other people who don't know me. Because, oh, that's his real name. I'll call him Paige. Like, no. <laughs> Dallas Page is my name. I changed it 28 years ago because this is the brand, Diamond Dallas Page. So I don't want to confuse people. Yeah. You know, plus I changed it, you know, 28 years ago. And the main reason I did that was because a cop had pulled me over speeding and came around the side and he said, let's registration. I was like, uh, and he went, Dallas Page. Why do I know that name? And I went, DDP. And he handed me back my license. Really? As soon as you put the sign up? I knew right away. 
because he grew up with me. Okay. So I've never got a ticket. <laughs> I, I, since, I, since I became Diamond Dallas Page, knock on wood, I've, I've never gotten a ticket. There's a lot of cops watch wrestling. If, if, you, if you were a kid from the, especially the 90s, wrestling was the hottest thing on television, on cable yes. television. Mm-hmm. You know, so it was, it, was, it was a lot of fun. You know, I, I lived the dream. I've lived five lives. All right, Steph, I'm going to test you again here. What is your favorite book of all time? Uh, obviously, it's the Bible, Kevin. <laughs> yes. Nailed it. Very good. This time, you didn't say the book we wrote called You Met Her Where. But it's still a really good book. That is true. And it would make a great gift for friends or relatives on their birthday or for Christmas. Friends, you can order your copy of our book titled You Met Her Where at KevinAndSteph.com. And we will make sure to personally sign a copy for you or whoever you want. And as always, thank you for listening to Tell Us a Good Story. Before you went out on stage or to the ring, were you nervous? Were you excited? Were you mentally thinking, okay, I can't forget this move. I have to remember the sequence of events. Like, how were you behind stage? Right before that music hits. I I broke my back at 42, ruptured my L4 and L5. And three months later, I came back. I I came up with, they said I would never go wrestle again. Three months later, I would develop DDP yoga. The infancy. So I would be doing that before I ever went out. And I'm doing strength moves and okay. stretches and holding my foot over my head for like 30 seconds. And then the other side, doing things like that. And I had, I normally would have, you know, some really hard rock playing in my headphones. And I'm not, I'm just thinking about going out there and blowing people away. <laughs> Wrestling is predetermined the finish, meaning the ending. And then there's a part where the preparation of laying out an outline, but it's preparation and improvisation. Okay. Because what worked in one, one night may not be working in another night. And then it's kind of like the magic trick that you don't really see the guys talking to each other. And some of them never do. They just expect you to remember things. And I hated that. Like I'm, I never stopped talking out there because I wanted to make sure we were both safe because we're trying not to hurt each other. Right. But when that red light's on, meaning the cameras, it's coming. It's coming hard. Mm-hmm. So what's the longest match you were ever part of? Um, I had many matches that were over 30 minutes. What? No, That's a yeah. long time. That's so long. That's endurance there, long Dallas. Time. Man. One of my matches would be like a normal person having anywhere from six to eight car accidents in a day because you, you, you can't fake gravity. Right. Like they don't hit people in the heads with chairs really anymore because, you know, the concussion thing, uh, which I can't tell you how many concussions <laughs> I had. But back then, if I was going to wrestle you and we were backstage, I'm going to walk up to you and I'm going to go, listen. I'm going to say I'm sorry right now. <laughs> you know, and, and, his re- and his reaction would have been, don't make it look weak. Like, bring it. Really? Oh, yes. Sell it. Like, I'm going to hit you in the middle of the chair, not on the edge, which is yeah, yeah. you open, but in the middle, it's going to sound great. It's going to hurt like it. People say, how do you fake chair shots? I said, you don't. Fake is such a strong word to say because 
90% of the things we do, what you see, they're not fake. They're real impact. Going off the top of the rope and landing you on the floor, and the guy moves. He hits a mat this thick and concrete's underneath. Mm. Like every single year, even though we're trying not to hurt each other, there'll be broken necks, plural, broken backs, toward ACLs and meniscus in our knees, toward rotator cuffs in our shoulders, toward biceps. Like a lot of the guys, especially the bigger guys who you know, really try to hold a lot of muscle, it's like a shark attack. You'll see their chest has no muscle there because it's been torn away. They don't have a bicep. They don't have a tricep. I mean, it's the same thing in football. Like what you see, like NFL linemen go through as much abuse as we do because they hit every down in practice. Right. They hit. But here's what blows me away, Dallas. Professional athletes, NFL, they get an off season. You don't. Wrestling continues the entire time. So when you were touring, right? Like, what were the most number of days you would be on the road in a given year? Uh, you know, it was really bad for those guys in the 80s. Okay. Um, but but I'm going to wrestle in a month, probably 26 days in a month. <sighs> like, I used to call 37 hours at home. And I also called it Humpty Dumpty Day, where I'd grab all the king's horses and all the king's men and put DDP back together again. <laughs> you know, and... My chiropractor, who was an applied kinesiologist, he was magical, and he still is today. I flew him out to eight pay-per-views and ready to rumble. Good and walk. Mm. And DDP yoga, my workouts I call DDP Y. Why? Because I want people to stop calling it just effing yoga. That's why. Yeah. Because yoga, it's a piece. Absolutely. And it's, it's really yoga for people who wouldn't be caught dead doing yoga. Because that was me. Now, I respect and love all types of yoga today. Um, and I, I respect them all. I don't do them all. I do my own. Because my own works for me. Yeah. And I can take, can you still see me standing up here? Because mm -hmm. I can't yes. see myself. Yes. I can take any point in time, grab either one of my feet, pull it out in front of me, <laughs> pull my foot over my head, and have a conversation with you at six foot four, 226 pounds, of twisted steel <laughs> and sex appeal. <laughs> and I will be 68 years young in five more months. Wow. Well done, Dallas. <laughs> well so. done, sir. Steph, what is one of the most asked questions we get about tell us a good story? Uh, do I really get that excited? <laughs> Besides that one. Oh, how do we get all these incredible guests? Correct. Yes. And some of our best conversations have been with guests who our listeners have reached out to us and said, you should talk to this person. To name just a few, Nick Vujicic, Coach Tom Ryan, Carol Matika were all recommendations from our listeners. So if there's someone you would like us to interview and think they might be a great fit for Tell Us a Good Story, please let us know at kevinandsteph.com. You don't even have to personally know them. True, but do me a favor. Before you submit their names, please make sure they are still alive. <laughs> That has actually happened, and it is super hard for me to find their contact information. But regardless, thank you for listening to Tell Us a Good Story. All right, listeners, for those of you who couldn't see what he just did, he literally stood up from his desk, grabbed his left leg, and put it pretty much at the height of his head. Yeah. <laughs> is what Straight he did. Ahead, yeah. He's like a Y here. So, And like you said, he's 67 years old, soon to be 68. 
Very impressive. All right, Dallas. So Steph had an idea. We've done this with a few guests, only a handful of guests. She wants to throw out a handful of wrestlers to see if you have a good story about them. And so I'm sure you probably do on a lot of these, but mm-hmm. this is fascinating. Like you said, you've lived five lives. So let us know if you had a good story about any of these people. All right, Steph. All right. My first one's Andre the Giant. You know, I he was out of, out of my league. I only got to meet him once. He was like, he came before me. But when I met Andre, he'd come and made an appearance. At 46, this poor guy had to cop or help him walk. And when he was in his 20s, he was one of the greatest athletes ever. I saw a lot of people just saw him be big and and strong, but he could do anything, man. You know, uh, it's a shame most giants like that, they don't live that long. He died at 46 or 47. Mm -hmm. Gosh, seven foot four. Yeah, he was a beast. How about Jake the Snake? Yes. Do you have any stories... (laughs) About any snakes get out of the cages? Did, were guys oh. afraid to wrestle him because they're going to, you know, throw the snake on top of him? How did that work? Well, for starters, you guys have not seen the resurrection of Jake Snake, and you need to go on Amazon Prime and you need to watch that. We have another documentary called Relentless up there. I've seen You've both. Seen that? They are fantastic. Oh, yes. So, so Jake was my mentor. Like I tried wrestling. I was twenty-three. It didn't work out for me hurt my knee. I had to take some time down. I got a chance to run my first little rock and roll bar. And, and then wrestled. that was in 1979. WrestleMania started happening in the 80s. And I was so mad at myself that I didn't pay my dues. And I stopped watching wrestling until one night I was flicking the channels and I watched a guy walk out and he had a bag over his shoulder and a cool Fu Manchu. I mean, Jake, Jake walked with swag. <laughs> like he just had that that presence and i'm like who is this guy and then i watched his what we call work like if you, we don't call it wrestling we call it work we're working together okay you no know, i watched his work in the ring and i couldn't see through it i'm like did i miss something like some of this is real like jake was then he cut a promo afterwards I mean, he was scary. I mean, he was so, he was serious as a heart attack, you know? (laughs) So he sucked me in to be a wrestling fan again. And I'm 30 or 31, I think 30. And then by this time, it's 1986, I'm running a huge nightclub that I own a small piece of in Fort Myers, Florida. And Jake Roberts walks in my club when we're packed one night. And I was in the office I'd reach for my keys to get something. We had two monitors, front door and the back door. And y'all remember, like, I'm a huge fan of this guy at this time. And I see a guy walk in the door who looks like Jake Snake Roberts. I'm like, no way. And I start to go in <laughs> towards the club, but the club's got a thousand people in it. So I run around the outside of the building and I walk up to my doorman and I go, Johnny, did a guy walk in here to look like Jake Snake Roberts? I can't, like, yeah, Paige. Everybody thinks it's him. So I love that run, but I take it off to go in there like the, like the biggest fanboy boy ever. And I see him and I slow down. Yeah, okay, gotta be cool. You know, a little fanboy all over Jake Robertson. <laughs> Work my way over to him. And at some point I got to him. I went, hey man, I go, you take the steak, Roberts? Who wants to know? I said, the guy who runs this place, he goes, yes. What can I do for you? So what are we drinking? 
and we got pretty pie that night. We had a good time. <laughs> he would tell all the boys, you know, that's what we call ourselves. The boys, the girls call themselves the girls. If you worked Miami one night and then you worked Tampa the next, that's 300 miles. Okay. Fort Myers was right in the middle. And the WWE in the 80s would work Miami and Florida probably three or four times a year, at least three. Okay. So guys would come through. One night, Ted DiBiase came by, the million dollar man. Can you see that? Yes. Uh-huh. Yes. Oh, that's the that's Bushwhackers. Later <laughs> that night, after the club had closed, we're doing upside down to <laughs> But Jake had told them, he got this cool guy. He'll take care of you. Nobody paid for anything. But the guys kept coming in. And that was a part of me wanting, I stuck with her. I should have you know, paid my dues. And that's where I came up with the idea of becoming a, a manager as opposed to, at 31, I thought I was too old to wrestle. Even though four years later, I would start my journey as a wrestler right. at 35. At the time, you know, I thought I was too old to wrestle. And later, Jake, yeah, he would just become my mentor. Mm-hmm. And uh, if it wasn't for Jake, we're not talking right now. I would say without Jake, the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes, this, there is no Diamond Dallas page. How about Stone Cold Steve Austin? Was he your oh, roommate? God. Yeah. He was? Yeah. Um he was wrestling a couple of years before me, but when I became a wrestler, he had come in and he saw my work ethic and my heart. He didn't drive with many people, but he would drive with me. And back then we drank beers and drove. We just did. <laughs> I would have ice bags on my knees and on my back. And I would have ace bandages around the ice bag. And he would have me put his beers inside my ace <laughs> <laughs> On the ice bag, and, uh, <laughs> one of my favorite stories of him was, I've got this gorgeous condo in LA, and uh, my first wife and I had split up, and uh, still best friends today, but uh, we had moved on, and I just got this condo, and I called them up, and I said, listen, I don't want to really talk about this, but me and Kim split up. I got an extra room. I know you want to come out and do the Hollywood thing. I said, if you do, I got a room for you. Don't tell me right now. Think about it. Let me know. I hung up the phone. He called me back. He said, kid, uh, room's still good? I said, yeah. He goes, I want it. So I had my friend Marlon give him the keys and the thing for the garage and all that stuff. And when I get back to my house... There is everywhere. <laughs> Clothes. There's spittoon cups. There's fly. I mean, it, it looked like a ball blew up. <laughs> and he was watching football when I walked in. I went, Steve, great to see you, bro. Um, I've been living with Mrs. Clean for the last 13 years. I said, bro, you got to pick up your stuff. Yo, <laughs> Oh, sorry, bro. Sorry, bro. <laughs> Steph, that had to be the safest place on the block. <laughs> Dallas oh and gosh, Stone Cold yeah. Steve Austin in the same No one's going in there, <laughs> no breaking in and There's no entering. crime in there. <laughs> no. <laughs> there, there, there's a big star today in wrestling. He has been for over a decade. His name is The Miz. Yes. And, well, he'd done uh, Real World for MTV. 
But in the wrestling world, he was no one. But my friend, Rich Bassman, had a little independent league that wrestled all over Vega, you know, in Nevada. And I said, Rick, I'm just going to go to TNA, Impact Wrestling. You know, just I want to show people what I can do at 49 years old. And I said, can you send me one of your boys? And he said, sure. So he sends me this guy named Mike. And he goes by The Miz. And we go and we work out. And he's pretty good. And you know, I'm having him do a bunch of stuff for me. And at some point, I go, so what do you want to do? He goes, what do you mean? I said, let me, let me teach you some stuff. What do you, what do you want to learn? So we worked for a while. And then on the way home, when he dropped me off, like he has no idea that I live with Stone Cold Steve Austin. <laughs> so I said, I said, you want to come in for a beer? He's like, absolutely. And when we walked in the house on the porch was Steve and Kevin Nash. So he walked into like, oh my God, you know. He tells the story all the time. He was going to be one of the biggest, you know, one of the biggest names in the business. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's like wrestling heaven there. Yeah. In that, <laughs> in that house. If you like what you hear, please tell someone about us. As soon as this episode is over, go tell your spouse, your closest friend, a parent, a coworker, or share one of our posts on social media. However, if you don't like what you're hearing, please do not. Don't tell anyone. Don't tell anyone. Don't tell anybody. Just disregard this message. Don't worry about it. Forget about us. Yep. Go on with your merry day. And to get more information about us or our entire catalog of episodes, be sure to check us out at kevinandsteph.com. Thank you for listening to Tell Us a Good Story. So for all of our guests, Dallas, I like to give a list of fun facts to let listeners know what you've done, what you've accomplished. And Steph is not aware of any of these. So you're going to see her genuine reaction, Dallas, and this will spurn some conversation. You've already taken a few of my fun (laughs) facts away, but that's okay. (laughs) So like he said, Steph, Dallas did not start wrestling until the age of 35. He was the oldest rookie in pro wrestling history. Mm -hmm. And Dallas, if I'm off on any of these, please let me know. Close enough. The oldest one who really made it big. Okay. Dallas won his first WCW World Heavyweight Championship on April 11th, 1999 in Tacoma, Washington. It was a four-corner match that involved him, Ric Flair, uh-huh. Sting, Hollywood, Hulk Hogan. Wow. So, Dallas. Yes, sir. <laughs> Cor- correction. <laughs> no, I have a story for you for that. Please. That's what I was going to no. ask. Tell us about that. So, my favorite story to tell is Dusty Rhodes. Ever since we met and bonded his brothers in 1989, he would always be there for me to talk about psychology of the business because that's really what it is, getting people to emote. Good yelling, screaming, booing, cheering, chanting your name, getting people to get involved. And we had ta- so many talks about so many things. And one night, I was just up a storm because the writers, the bookers weren't giving me an opportunity to be a top guy. Like even get to the middle. They weren't, I worked my way to the bottom of the middle. They just didn't see it. And it frustrated me. And I can remember saying, Dusty, you know, I know I'm never going to be you or Flair or Hogan. I know I'm going to never going to be the world champion, but those side of that is Enough. What did you just say? And now I feel kind of stupid. I'm like, it was known as the American dream, Dusty Rhodes. I said, well, dream. I said, I know I'm never going to be you or Rick. You're no D. What did you say after that? 
So I know they're going to be world champion. Then what the hell are you doing for Dallas? It's hard as you work as much as you come in this business. If you don't believe you could be the world champion, you need to get that out of my business right now. And I feel like he, like, reached the phone and just slapped me. And he kept yelling at me. But I can't tell you a thing he said after that. But I can tell you exactly what I did. There was a ledger pad next to the phone. And I grabbed it. And I pulled it over. And I wrote on it, Diamond Dallas Page will be the heavyweight world champion in five years or less. And I dated it. It was four years Four months and 14 days later that I step in the ring with the nature boy, Ric Flair, the immortal Hulk Hogan, and the franchise of the company, the Stinger. Well, that night I stepped in a ring with the nature boy, who is, to me, the greatest ever in our business because he could do everything at its highest level. He took the diamond cutter in the middle. And two years earlier, I beat Randy Savage on the same pay-per-view the day after my 41st birthday. And Randy Savage was a guest referee, and he handed me that world title. He was like, you are the kid. Mm. And it was like, because that's like being awarded your Oscar. And it wasn't just somebody who was a, a nobody. Not, no, no one gets the world champions and nobody at the bottom of the barrel. It was the highest levels of the barrel. What it proved to me, and inside my Hall of Fame ring, it says, work ethic equals dream, explanation point, DDP. That's what it proved to me. Mm. So when you win that title, how is it behind the scenes? I mean, your life changes from a, a fan perspective, but how is it behind the scenes? Is there jealousy? Are people like super happy for you? How does that work? Everybody outwardly, no matter what. Every, I mean, I have a steady ovation. People hugging me. Now, one of the things I did during that match is Hulk had a really bad knee and he went for surgery. He had me do the Bret Hart figure four lock on the ring post, which put him out. Okay. And so he was back there ahead of me. And when I walked into our locker room, he was sitting there like the warlord that he is. I mean, one of the greatest of all times at, on every level wasn't like the technical wrestler that Flair was, but he got the people just as involved. And people believed that I mean, saw him as just what he is. He's an icon, you know? And here's his knee braces laying on the ground, and he's in his shorts. And he looks up at me and he goes, this is the way this business is supposed to operate. But someone like you, that no one thought could ever be anything in this business, works so hard that you transcend the business and you are the world champion. He goes, that's what this is supposed to be about. He kind of hugged me. It was super cool. That's mm. a powerful moment for you no in your kidding. wrestling career. No it was, kidding. It was, it was as powerful as Dusty jumping up my butt. Mm -hmm. Completely different. 
Friends, we want to encourage you to please follow us wherever you listen to this, whether it's on the Apple Podcast app, iHeartRadio, Spotify, or one of the other platforms. You guys, it's completely free. And while you're there, feel free to give us a rating or a nice review. Thank you for listening to Tell Us a Good Story.